and welcome to the Poultry Health Focus podcast. I'm Liam Doherty, Key Account Manager for Poultry at NSD Animal Health UK, and I will be your host for today. This podcast is the place to hear topical industry news and updates, advice on poultry health, and insightful information from farmers and experts within the industry. So whether you're a poultry producer, work in the sector, or have an interest in British poultry production, this podcast is for you. For the past few years, winter housing orders have become commonplace for producers. These steps are vital in helping to reduce avian influenza outbreaks and by all poultry keepers complying with these measures, disease transmission has been greatly reduced. However, one of the implications of the order is the impact it can have on bird behaviour and red mite levels. To help producers prevent red mite infestations, Dave Hodson from Rosehill Poultry talks us through procedures that can be taken, including biosecurity and monitoring to keep red mite at bay. Hi Dave, I hope you're doing well and thanks for your time today. Thank you very much for inviting me on Liam, it's much appreciated. Firstly, uh, red mite seems to be a continuous problem for producers. Why do you think as a sector we've struggled in the past to get on top of it? I think one of the big issues we have is that, first of all, we're very limited in the chemicals that we're allowed to use. And I also think resistance is an issue to those chemicals. We only have a very, very narrow range of classes of chemicals that we can use. And I think on top of that, I think the systems have become much more um, intricate. So the bulk of the housing is free range now. And the systems within the houses is very, very much... um, It's very intricate. There's lots of perching areas, lots of joined parts. And I think the red might just have so many more spaces that they can nest, form a cluster that can also not be reached with spray unless you spend maybe eight hours on a 16,000 bird unit doing every nook and cranny if you want to spray. So I, I think the environment's got much more difficult to treat and also the red mite are far more comfortable because the environment temperature is much better and ammonia levels seem to have a very direct impact on red mite levels. So we did a massive sampling exercise about four years ago where we put about 200 sets of red mite traps out in all different kinds of free range colony, barn systems, and we found that flat deck had the lowest proportion of red mite compared to, say, a normal multi-tier system. And we juxtapose that that is because you simply have got the muck, which is given off ammonia, which the red mite aren't partial to. I see. Right. Yeah, very interesting. And, um, you know, just looking at uh, the first quarter of this year, Dave, you know, obviously environmentally it's been quite cool, however, birds being housed. Um, has there been much of a challenge of red mite so far this year? Yes, that would be the simple answer to that. Both red mite and worms, actually. I think a lot of people... Um, maybe accidentally took the leap that if the birds are locked in, worms won't be as much of a challenge. Yeah. What you've actually got is you've got a higher proportion of birds on a much smaller ground space. And what you've got when it comes to the actual, to the red mite levels within a free range house, when you shut the pop holes, you get rid of the cold, cold breeze. You keep the temperature artificially higher. Yeah. So say a red mite life cycle, in peak conditions of 20 to 25 degrees may take six days to go from egg to egg laying adult. When it gets cold in the winter, that might be stretched out to say 14, 15 days. 
I think what's happened is with the housing order, the maximum it's taken is about eight to ten days to go from egg to egg laying adult because the temperature is very stable and the quality of the buildings is so good. Okay, and I mean, when we when we talk about temperatures uh, and climate as a whole, we've heard an awful lot about the climate crisis lately and uh, how we're likely to see rising temperatures over the coming years. Could this cause red mite to be a problem throughout the year? Yes, would be the answer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We always find that red mite levels peak in the summer. A lot of people who use treatment, if they don't use it year round, will certainly just use it to go through the summer period, mm-hmm. simply because the level that they procreate increased so much and the birds under extra stress because it's in a warmer environment. So yeah, I could definitely see that Liam easily. Yeah. Okay. And anything else in particular that would encourage red mites into the shed? I think um I think when you look at the free range environment, if you go back to the very dawn of poultry production, intensive poultry production, the reason we took the birds away and put them into colony cages from the natural environment is to limit the exposure to ectoparasites such as red mite yeah. and to worms and to disease. I think um, in a free range situation, you've not only got the red mite, which naturally exists within the poultry industry. Red mite also, you know, their natural habitat is in wild birds. So they're being actively brought onto the range pretty much all of the time. So it's a very challenging environment to control red mite. What particular measures would you recommend to be put into place to prevent the red mite infestations or challenges? A good story that relates to just how rapidly and uh, and how resolute an introduced red mite infestation can be is one of our customers has 600,000 colony birds and he managed to get to four years of no red mite and um, a local university asked if they could come and visit his site to record some footage and do some work there and they'd been to a free range site first and they set up on one bank within the colony house and within three weeks that entire bank was covered in red mite and it filled the site within three months and that's across again three large houses 600,000 birds biosecurity is everything all it takes is to bring a toolbox on site all it takes is to come in the same clothes the same jacket you wore to a site the previous day coming on equipment it can come in on egg trays it can come in through so many different means and when it comes to use treatment what you're doing is you're almost creating like a year dot you're killing everything on the site. If you reintroduce even just two red mite, the speed at which they procreate again, those two red mite become six million within about six months. Right, so that's all it takes really, isn't it? That's all it takes. And yeah. anybody who's been in a poultry shed will know that red mite get absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you uh, if you're in your driving home, you can see them crawl down your sleeve, they can come out of your phone, you name it, a red mite will find any dark area. So we always say to people who've used treatment or if they've got a new poultry site, you know, just ensure that anybody visiting your site has been either bird free for 24 to 48 hours or you're the first visitor their week. So, yeah, critically important. I think that it, it can't be overstated for all diseases, especially avian influenza showing up, just how important it still is. Mm-hmm. But actually investing in biosecurity is everything. Changing overalls, changing boot covers making sure you've got site-specific equipment and shed-specific equipment. They all go such a long way. And if you've got a very large site, you have to consider the fact that you might have six sheds 
and we've had this with our customers, and one shed will go red mite positive, say after six months, but the other sheds may not. So you can continue to get the value out of what you've spent on that red mite product for maybe another two to three months in the other sheds if your biosecurity is tipped up mm-hmm. and you have shed-specific personnel. So it actually becomes a tool to save you a lot of money. Yeah, okay, absolutely. And um, with regards to monitoring of red mites, Dave, would you consider it being important to do so all year round? I would actually, yeah. I think that um, I think it's so important to understand what you're dealing with with red mite. For years, I don't think we realised just how damaging they were, poultry production, and maybe what a big driver they were with E. coli issues. Yeah, so you you consider uh, red mite bringing on secondary infections then of other uh, challenges? I think it causes two issues. I think it causes behavioural issues, first of all. So I think feather pecking, vent pecking, stress-related disorders. Yeah. I think secondary, it's it's an erosion on the bird's immune system. You're pulling on the bird's resources to, to regenerate the lost blood. So a bird can lose up to 4 or 5% of its blood overnight in a heavy infestation. Instead of the bird putting to its feed and its energy towards producing eggs, it's recovering all the time. So yeah. not only have you got the E. coli issues where you've got direct transfer of that disease pathogen through biting one bird, biting another bird, you've actually got the bird becoming stressed in itself, which lowers its immune system, causes gut leakage, which further drives E. coli. MG becomes an issue. And you get a rolling ball of disease that comes around with red mite simply eroding the bird's health and creating a situation where the bird is actually resting. We've just done a large colony site of 400,000 birds. And the sound difference, both during the day, but especially at night, of what the the actual noise the birds are making is the most startling bit. You go in there, it's silent now. Whereas before, you would hear like, you'd hear the sound of a bird being bit by a red mite or being uncomfortable or being annoyed. So yeah, it's um, I think that it's part of a puzzle. But if you're controlling IB, if you're controlling worms, and you you can keep your red mite level red mite levels incredibly low, and you can observe that by doing the red mite trapping, I think that it's very hard for a flock to go wrong. Thanks, Dave. Just with regard to monitoring side of things again, what would you consider being the best way to monitor the parasite? Uh, what we do is with all our customers, they follow a very, very straightforward technique where every six weeks they'll place traps, uh, usually 10 traps per 16,000 birds on a free range site. On a colony site, probably more like 10 traps to every 40 to 50,000 birds spread evenly throughout the house. And the traps will be left in for a period of about a week, taken out and just visually examined. And on the visual examination, we just score it from one to four. One being pretty much clear. Yeah. Two being a very slight infestation. You maybe find three or four red mites. Three, you get a cluster. And four, it comes out looking like a little tube of blood. And when we get to three and four, it's definitely time to retreat. So yeah, once every six weeks. And don't just rely on the traps. Actually look for the red mite. You know, look underneath where the drinker line clips go. Look underneath the units. If you're noticing red mite on the eggs, you know, just just act at that point rather than waiting for, say, a trap to go positive. If you know there's red mite in there, if you're coming out itching, if you feel like that after 30 minutes in there with the birds, imagine how the birds feel and treat at that point. Okay. 
just with regards to vets and farm advisors uh, who are listening to this podcast, what can they do uh, when they visit sites to help producers tackle red mite? I think educating them on just how eroding they can be to a flock's health is a massive step. I think yeah. that um, I, I remember recently I was talking with a Welsh hill farmer and he came out with a great phrase. He said, you can't starve a profit out of a sheep. You can't make more money by spending less on the sheep. You have to invest in it. And yes. it's the same with chickens. If you're losing two, three percent production, but you're putting off, say, a treatment that will allow you to get an extra five to six eggs per bird at the end of the flock, it's a false economy. So I think for a vet or a farm advisor, it's allowing the customer to, to understand that it is a challenge to the bird, that the bird will be eating more because it's stressed, it's not sleeping and it might be losing feather cover. And if the flock's becoming stressed as well, E. coli may become an issue. Yeah. And also how to find them. A lot of people, I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, we haven't got red mite here. And you go to the very first clip and you find red mite straight away. And they go, oh, I didn't know what those black things were. And there you go. I think, yeah, the education of what they are, what they do, what they look like, and not controlling them, what happens when you just let it run wild. Yeah, exactly. With regards to red mite levels, uh, if they're high in sheds, what... um, what would you say? I mean, we cover, covered a bit of the treatment aspects of this already, but what would you, would you consider effective treatment that you found in your experience? I've spent a lot of hours with a backpack on my back spraying for red mite. I've used most of the products out there. I think that the first rule is you have to treat red mite. It's not an option to do nothing. I think that you have to decide how much time you have. If you're going to go down the route of spraying, you need to be careful of the products you use. You don't want anything that's going to be toxic to the hens because ultimately they're always going to be in the region of the area you're spraying. Mm-hmm. So I was like Durgle because it's non-toxic. It's a physical mode of action. You have to accept it's going to take you approximately four hours to spray a 16,000 bird unit. During the summer, you may need to do that weekly, if not every two weeks. During the winter, okay. you might get away with every three weeks. You're going to be spraying about 160 litres of product each time you do it, hence the four hours. There are products out there that are nutraceutical products that have got polysulfide technology in them. So essentially garlic, the principle being the bird consumes the natural oils, the garlics, and uh, goes through the bird, makes the bird taste bad to the red mite. The red mite stop feeding. I think that the results I've seen with that are hit and miss. Yeah. I think that because it's not a medicinal product, you're dissuading the mite from feeding. I think you've got to accept there might be a chance that you're going to trigger a almost selective process whereby the mite that don't mind a bit of garlic in their chicken mm-hmm. become vast and yeah. ones that don't like garlic. If you see what I'm saying, you're kind of creating a situation where you're not actually doing anything that's killing the mite. You're just making its food source taste not quite as nice. I see. When it comes to tackling the dreaded red mite, we know that this can be a real challenge for producers. I'm delighted to welcome Dave back to talk about one particular success story in which red mite levels were significantly reduced on farm. The site in the customer in question would be Friday's Farms based in Kent. And they are a combination of colony sites, barn sites and free range sites. So a really broad spectrum of environments to, um, to treat red mite in. 
Okay, and um, what was the impact it was having on birds? The impact on the company, first of all, would be that it was costing them approximately £290,000 per year in labour and product to effectively spray. They were spraying each house every week with a, with a physical mode of action product where there'd be no egg residues, so just for the extra safety aspect. Yeah. The effect on the birds was only seen after we treated the entire site. So they've always had very low mortality. They've always been able to keep quite a firm grip on that because they IB vaccinate, they clean out very effectively and they were spraying. But what we saw was actually, it was just mind blowing really, we noticed a 1.5% drop in mortality from currently housed flocks that were treated. And since June of last year to now, the mortality across the company is down 4%. So every percent is worth £200,000 to that company as a drop in mortality. Amazing. So we did some calculations on the uh, the cost of the product for the company, first of all, and then the cost of what they were doing before. And the return on investment, once the product was paid for, was still £340,000. So financially it made a lot of sense but bird welfare was greatly increased as well um, they've been given the options to take their the option the ability to take their birds much longer because they've kept that bird in excellent condition mm-hmm. so the colony market looking good at the moment they've got an 80 week old flock where they're still at 90 percent production and they can take into the 90s purely because they haven't had the strain of a heavy red mite infestation yeah. Eating away at their feather cover, their immune system. So it allows them to get much more out of a bird. It allows them to get an extra 30% turnover out of a bird that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So it's, um, red mite was having an incredible effect. Yeah. And when we removed it, you could actually see the difference from, from you weren't in a situation where there was no control. There was control in place, but you replaced the method of control and it worked really, really well. And now it's just become part of the procedure. So for their free range, they retreat every five months, for their colony every nine months, and the monitoring is done on a monthly basis. And it's just allowed a great deal of control over the issue and to maximise the output of the birds. And um, just with regards to preventing red mite from being a challenge in the future, I presume it's the red mite trapping that is rolled out on a continuous basis. It is, yes. The red mite trapping is done across the whole company every six weeks. Also, with each treatment, fumigations carried out to all staff areas, all vehicles, all catching teams, every single part of the company, there's a conscious, controlled effort to annihilate red mite from that area. And that's what's allowed it to work so well. That extra investment in the biosecurity and actually killing off all the red mite that might be in the storehouse, that might be in the egg trays. Actually, treating all of those areas makes a huge difference to how long the product lasts. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, once again, thank you for your time and uh, sharing that experience with us. I, I certainly have no doubt there will be others listening who will take something from this conversation. Thanks again, Dave. Take care. Okay. Thank you, Liam. Take care. Bye-bye. And just like that, we finish this episode of the Poultry Health Focus podcast. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe on your chosen platform and follow us on LinkedIn for regular industry updates and information. See you next time.